I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Wadundi and Bububun people of Wudichup in the southwest Bujara region in Noongar also known as Margaret River. I acknowledge their continuing connection to the land, waters and community. I pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies, and men's experiences of pleasure. On this episode, number 107, I have the pleasure of chatting with Dr. Paddy Britton. Dr. Paddy has led 55 sexual attitudes reassessment programs over the past 10 years in seven countries to over 1,500 people. She's the author of the only sexual attitudes reassessment training manual. Uh, and she is a nationally board-certified clinical sexologist and world-renowned as the pioneer of the profession of sex coaching. She's the author of hundreds of articles, book chapters, forwards, and five major books in sexology. She's a popular speaker to consumers and a seasoned professional trainer for her peers. Dr. Patty has hosted over 40 DVD programs on sexual enhancement and her media record speaks for itself with appearances on over 200 television shows as featured guest on over 250 interviews for radio, podcasts and media such as Cosmopolitan, Men's Health, Women's Health, celebrity podcasts and popular sexual health related websites. Dr. Patty possesses a PhD and master's in public health, both in human sexuality. She's a certified sex coach. Her stellar credentials include past president of the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors and Therapists, also known as ASECT. She's also been the ASECT Sexuality Educator of the Year in 2016. She's a clinical fellow with the American Academy of Clinical Sexologists. She's a diplomat for the American Board of Sexology. She's an ASECT Certified Sexuality Educator and Supervisor. She's a lifetime member and advisory counsel for the American College of Sexologists International. She's a member of the Society for the Scientific Study of Sexuality. She's on the National Advisory Board Ambassador for the Woodhall uh, Freedom Foundation, and she's an elected member of the Advisory Committee for the World Association of Sexual Health. Dr. Patty has a private practice in the Los Angeles area and online via Zoom worldwide. She's also the co-founder of Sex Coach U, the world's premier training and credentialing organization for sex coaches. She's got an incredible resume and um, her curriculum vitae is um, amazing as well. And, and on this episode, the two of us, we talk about her role as the uh, founder of the modality of sex coaching, essentially, or at least um, uh, the modern day version of sex coaching that we know. So we talk about the ins and outs of what it's like to be a coach, how coaching differs from therapy, uh, Dr. Patty's own model, the Meebs model. And we, we speak about uh, some trends that she's noticed in the sexuality space and particularly as it pertains to masculinity. Just so many nuggets of wisdom uh, that Dr. Patty shares. Uh, and if you'd like to connect with her or, or find out more about her work, you can go onto her website, which is drpattybritton.com. That's P-A-T-T-I for Patty and B-R-I-T-T-O-N for Britton. Then there's also the Sex Coach U website or Sex Coach University, which is Sex Coach and then just the letter U.com. And uh, yeah, it's a fantastic conversation. It was uh, really fantastic to connect with uh, Dr. Patty as a sex coach myself to meet and, and um, have a chat with her. Uh, it was really, really beneficial for me. So I hope you enjoy listening. 
Six is between two consenting people of age, and that's where it's supposed to stay, right there. You're not supposed to go out and talk about it. You don't need your husband no more. You don't need your wife no more. Come on, you get mad, you get angry. You defraud him and go and get your sexual toy and play with yourself. Just think, if you're 18 or older, girls are waiting 24 hours a day to talk to guys, guys like you. Well, I'll dive in, and the way that I like to start actually is with an invitation. It's an open invitation for you to share a little bit about who you are, what it is that you do, and I'm also really interested in what you're passionate about as well. So that's my open invitation to you. How much time do we have? Um, Well, you know, I've been working in human sexuality as a clinical sexologist, and it began as a sexuality educator. That's actually the foundation of all of my work that I do. I'm always an educator. And in fact, my name is Dr. Patty Britton, and my maiden name is a Dutch name that means educator. I was born an educator. Isn't that cool? That's pretty cool, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I, I want to say that I've been interested in human sexuality and the empowerment of humans around their sexuality since I can recall. I was always that little girl people talked to and felt safe they could say anything to and evolved into what I'm now known as the mother of sex coaching. And hopefully we can talk more later about what is sex coaching? How did it evolve? Why do I call it that? How come I didn't just keep going as a sexuality educator or as a therapist? Because I actually earned a certification in sex therapy when I was in my graduate program at the Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality in San Francisco, sadly now gone. And my passion, you know, it's interesting. My passion is to empower people to know who they are, to claim who they are. And the journey of life to me, I came to this realization one day, the journey of life is actually self-love, self-acceptance. I don't mean that in a sexological way. We can talk more about that. But I mean self-acceptance. And that's the only relationship you're ever going to have your whole life long, guess what, is with you. So you better get that right. Better get that straight. You better get an alignment with yourself. And when I started thinking about sex coaching and the model that I train my my colleagues and my students in, I realized that there really were aspects of the self, the core of self, the human self, involves our sexuality, our sexual story, our sexual identity, our orientation, our expression. And I developed a five-part holistic model, the Meebs model, which involves mind, emotions, body, which includes body image, big problem for a lot of people, (laughs) behaviors, energy, and spirit. So my passion is to really speak about the holism of our sexuality and the holistic approach to living. And so I, I embrace and I imbue an energetic focus. I kind of run my life with energy as the focal point. The, the when I, I actually show the Meebs model on a couple of my websites as a wheel, and in the center of the wheel is energy which runs everything because my life is a spiritual path. And I think that if we can touch that within ourselves, we can really awaken 
our essence and we can enjoy it because really the goal is pleasure. It's about connection and it's about feeling happy. I think that sexual happiness is really what we're all striving to attain. So that's my passion. I have other passions as well. I have a lot of passions and a lot of passion for doing this kind of work and compassion. I have a tremendous amount of compassion and that shows up in all the work that I do. That's so really that's, beautiful. That's a yeah. good start, right? That's a great start. Yeah, I I really love this idea, and I've I've said this a, a number of times of sexuality being inextricably linked to who we are as human beings, and you know whether it's whether we choose to express it a lot, or whether we choose to keep it reserved, or whether we choose to indulge it, whether we choose to restrict it, like it's it's fundamental to to how we show up in the world, right? Like our understanding of our own sexuality, and and I often. Um, you know, I, I say this to a lot of my clients who kind of come to me for work and they think that they're just coming to work with me on sexuality stuff. And I say, you know, well, by doing stuff on your sexuality, by working in, in the realms of sexuality, it's going to be impacting other areas of your life. You're going to start to notice how it shows up in other areas and vice versa. If you're having something happen outside of the quote unquote bedroom or outside of your the realms of sexuality, watch how that impacts your sexuality and your understanding of your sexuality and the way you express it and starting to create those, that kind of two, um, two way street, I think is, is really important for a lot of people to start recognizing. And that's something I'm a big believer in as well. Well, I don't know if you know that I think on drpattybritton.com, my home website, I actually have a model or maybe it's in some of the trainings that sex could you, I don't remember. Um, but it's the bullseye approach. And in the center is self. And in the center of self is our sexuality. And then there are reverberating circles around that. And when you change the patterns in that essential self, the sexual self, it reverberates outwardly. And the same with our external environment. Our, I always say that when I work with clients, I always bring in the concept of context. Like it, my virtual background is this kind of like a a stone is this a, a very glittery, glamoury person. So <laughs> you can see like gold flecks, but it's really a druzy, which is um, kind of a shiny textured stone image. And that's the context behind us and around us. Our sexuality doesn't live in a vacuum. We don't live in a vacuum. And so that external world and messages, shame messages in particular, I'm sure we can talk about that do affect us and even environmental issues impact us in a positive and or negative way. And then we have our internal environment that flows out. So I love what you just said. And I, I call it the bullseye approach. Yeah, that's very cool. I'll have to check that out and, and maybe I can use it as a resource for my clients. Um, I'm, I'm interested, like we've spoken kind of, we've thrown the term sex coaching around a little bit and I wanted to maybe dial that in for people that aren't familiar with the term. Like what is sex coaching? And I suppose, how, how did it come about? I know it's like a relatively uh, newer modality compared to like, clinical psychotherapy and, and other kind of modalities. But like, and, and I know as the mother of sex coaching, I suppose you're the best person to answer this. Like, where did it, where did it come from? Like, where did sex coaching come from? How did it originate? Well, um, I'll tell you the story of its birth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be okay. amazing. So how this baby got born is in 1990, I lived in New York City. And at that time, I was the, oh, interesting. 
at that exact time, I was the deputy director for SECUS, the Sexuality Information and Education Council of the United States. We promulgated comprehensive sex education and comprehensive HIV prevention education to youth around the country and to providers of that kind of education. So comprehensive sex ed has always been one of my passion areas. And there I was part of this agency, which just had a huge impact on legislation and on what we know we should be teaching children from whatever zero to <laughs> whenever they leave home, which could be in their forties now, as we know. <laughs> And so there I was working at SICUS and I was a sexuality educator. That was my identity. And I was earning my doctorate, my PhD in human sexuality. And in the training that I had at the Institute, I was exposed to various modalities, methodologies, um, systems for sex therapy, counseling, education, research, et cetera, as a sexologist. And I just didn't like the pathologizing approach. I didn't like that therapy uses the DSM here in the United States and the ICD, I believe it's called internationally. But these are diagnostic disease-based manuals that say, well, a client comes in or a patient comes in and they complain about not having an orgasm or they can't become erect on command or whatever is going on. They have negative body image issues, body dysphoria. And it was too negative for me. And then at the same time, I was working in this field and I also was studying coaching. And I had the absolute pleasure of being a devotee of the father of coaching. And that's Thomas Leonard. He wrote some of the most important books on coaching. He also had live events where people would go and he would lecture and present his theories and his practical models. And I was just, this is it. This is the way to go. He invented personal and life coaching as a way of moving the client from their goals to their results they want to achieve. Not from a pressure cooker kind of way, but from a collaboration kind of way where the coach is kind of like your pal who walks by your side. And some of the tenets of coaching really resonated with me, like holding the bar high for your client, helping your client be more than they know or think that they can be. And this elevating of the client and this warmth and this sense of a relationship that's an equal collaborative relationship with the client really spoke to me because I don't like hierarchical models. And I'm about empowerment. I've said that a couple of times already, but that's always been how I've rolled. And so there I was and coaching as a follower of him, reading about him. I had a co-coaching buddy in New York City. Coaching was the thing and it was how I then decided to work with clients. And so I married, tried and true, sex therapy and sexology, which is the study of what people do sexually and how they think and feel about it, quote unquote, this is what we were trained in the Institute to define sexology as. And I took that what of sexology, people's sexual behavior and their story and their wounds and their, their longings and fantasies. And I said, how do I want to help clients realize themselves, get to where they want to get to? I want to use coaching. It's so positive. It's so 
enriching and, and it builds hope and it gives you practical steps and you can do it on a boat or <laughs> in a park, you know, it, it, there's just such a freedom about it. And so that's what happened. I married the two. I was asked to do a presentation at a big health conference uh, in 1993. And the woman who asked me from a Planned Parenthood in Northern New England, where I had worked years before, said, would you come and talk about how you work? I know you call it sex coaching or something. And I said, sure. And then I went, oh, my God, <laughs> how am I going to talk about this? I don't know what I do. I just do it. So I deconstructed how I worked and I came up with the means approach. It's actually my signature system. And I realized that this is a new way. This is an allied profession to therapy and in some ways even to sex therapy, which has more clinical training in sexology, but psychotherapy as we know it around the world, particularly in, in Western culture in the United States and Canada, really is lacking sexuality training, comfort to even have conversations about sex and sexuality. And the skills to know what are the nuanced questions to ask. You have to, you have to know where to go in with a client. You have to find that. It's like the clam opens up, right? There's a little, you know, they're stuck shut. And then what? I'm in, right? There's that magical moment where you know I'm in. And often I use humor a lot, especially with my male clients. And that seems to cut. It cuts right in. Or there's something that shifts, I might say. What do you do? I know you work in the Hollywood, I have clients in the Hollywood industry. I know you work in the Hollywood industry. So, hmm, so you're a director and you're always in charge and you have to feel like you have control all the time. Is that how your relationship works as well? I'm in. So, you know, we find those ways of working with a client and sex coaching really was that opportunity to blend what we knew in sexology, clinical sexology, work with clients or sex therapy, as I was trained, with a non-medical health model that was so opening and so permission-giving, so much air breathed into that relationship. And people move toward their goals and they achieve their goals and they do it in a, a fairly rapid short-term approach I'm going to tell you a story. I once had a client in the beginning of my private practice in New York City, a woman who came to see me and she said, I couldn't believe this. I've been in therapy for 18 years and I've never once talked about sex or my sexuality. And I think I'm gay. I went, how many years have you been in therapy? And you've never once had this conversation. Let's get into that conversation. And I'm not against therapy. I, I, many of our clients who come in for coaching really need to first take care of their issues, right? Don't you find that? I mean, come on. They have to be coachable, which means you can't be severely clinically depressed. You can't have high anxiety that really stops you and you can't even breathe. You can't have disabilities that impede your ability to take in the information and move with it or flow with it or grow with it. But in, in California, for example, psychotherapists who are in the licensure community, we have something like 55,000 licensed marriage and family therapists here. They only have to have a very small number. I think it's 10 hours of human sexuality 
in their training for their licensure to get licensed. And then they say, I'm a couple specialist. 100% of my clients are referred by therapists. <laughs> therapists are not trained. And medical, you know, medical doctors, particularly urologists and gynecologists, uh, which are the primary caregivers for sexual medicine, sexual issues, they in this country, and it's not that much better worldwide, are required to have zero to three to 10 hours in human sexuality. And, and it's not the good part. It's not the positive part. We really are enhancers for the sexual experience and we help our clients clear the blockages. I use the Meebs approach to do that. And I know that you do sex coaching as well. So I don't, I don't know whether that answers the question, but that's the origin story. Yeah, no, that was amazing. Coaching, right? I appreciate that. I appreciate it. There's um, there, like there's a... Um, yeah, so much to say on like the pathologizing and the medicalizing of like I notice it in in male sexuality because I I work obviously with with um, cishet men, and even like just in the lay person language of like the way that they these men that I work with describe their sexuality, a lot of them self diagnose themselves with erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation, or they've they they you know they're using clinical terminology to describe an experience that they're having, and when I start to actually do some work with them then they don't have erectile dysfunction. They don't have premature ejaculation. They just maybe don't last as long as they want to. Or maybe sometimes they don't have an, an erection as, which is as hard as they want it to be. Or, you know, and, and so like there's this, this trickle down effect of like this um, pathologizing approach that I think, you know, and I, I was talking to um, Cindy Darnell about this actually recently um, about um, like the sexuality profession has kind of tried to seek legitimacy by being, like over medical and over pathological and, and like really using that language to try and seek validation from the kind of scientific community. And so it's kind of swung that way a little bit too much. Um, and now there's like a, a real need for like pleasure positivity and the, the coaching aspect of things and like the enhancement of, of sexual experiences and, and thinking about sex and sexuality from a bit more of an embodied kind of energetic holistic approach as opposed to it's just It's the like holistic this, approach. Yeah, as opposed to just this medical approach. And I think that um, sexology, so when we think about sexology, it's a big tent and under that big tent, many of us reside and we have different identifications and we have different language that we use. I call myself, because I am board certified clinical sexologist, which means I'm trained, I'm doctorally trained as a sexologist and I work with clients, hence clinical. It doesn't mean clinical Latin language medical, but the medicalization of sexuality is in, in some ways no different from the medicalization of sleep or the medicalization of things that are natural and normal living in a human body. Like aging. Like aging, exactly. Or one of my pet peeves, um, right? <laughs> well, it does have something to do with sex, <laughs> is... Um, and and it, I have a I have a love hate relationship with what I'm about to say, which is that grief now has become a mental health disorder, and grief is a human condition that is natural and predictable and healthy to go through. Having lost my partner, Dr. Robert Dunlap, who died in 2017, the co-founder of Sex Coach You and the World Association of Sex Coaches, 
he died unexpectedly at age 74. Well, I suffered from grief. Grief can knock you off course. Grief is like a severe disease. <laughs> it feels that way, like a severe flu that um, comes and goes in waves and, and you can't think because there are physical aspects to grief. But is grief a disease that we now need a pill for, that we need to be hospitalized for? It's a natural expression of our humanity. And so many things that are, quote, pathologized or medicalized around sex are natural effects. For example, not having desire after a period of time in a long-term committed relationship, regardless of your identity, what pronouns you use, or who it is you love or lust, that is natural. You know, this is the science. I do rely on science, but I also, what I think holistic is, is I have my clients get their free range of testosterone, their total range of testosterone, bioidentical hormone discussions, etc. And I also have them do releasing rituals uh, in sacred sites. <laughs> That's what holism means. It means you embrace all from left brain to right brain, from the literal where we have you know, physical scientific evidence to the, the, let's just say the spiritual new agey woo-woo world that they all have value and validity if it's appropriate for the client. And so I don't know how I got off on that tangent. I'm thinking <laughs> jade egg that right actually, now. That reminds me, well, it reminds me of a, a story of a, um, of a client or a case that you have and that you share in your book. Um, where I'll uh, I'll try and remember it as accurately as possible. I think you say um, something similar to what you've said. There's a male client. He's experiencing some low desire, low libido. Um, you get him to check his testosterone levels. Everything's fine hormonally, uh, physically, things like that. And so you suggest to for him, I think, to go out into nature or go out into the woods and to self-pleasure and to connect with the earth and things like that. And, and, he, um, and so he does that and he notices that he has this like real – surge of that kind of like wild man energy and that kind of like brings his um libido back you know over over a couple of sessions he kind of realizes wow i've got this kind of like tapped into this natural kind of energy and this nature kind of experience that i've had and and um and i love that i love that idea because i've used that with clients before i've used it myself and it is it, it's incredible like just noticing how everything's fine physically hormonally biologically you're, you're totally fine there's nothing wrong right quote unquote medically wrong um, you're just looking for like uh, just tapping into your sexuality in a different way. Um, and that's something I've noticed with my male clients who are experiencing some sort of low desire or they are self-diagnosing themselves with like lack of libido and things like that. I'm saying like, hey, here's here's just another avenue to explore your sexuality. See what happens, see what comes through. And it's, and it's yeah, a very powerful thing for them. And metaphor can be the best medicine that we can use. Ritual may be the best medicine that we can use. And I, I, it, you brought me right back into my home office, my living room on 30th Street and Madison Avenue in New York City, 1994 or something like that. And, and this guy and the tenderness that came about in our discussion about the grief of losing, I, I think, there was a loss of ejaculate. This may be a different case. Um, it was an older guy. And what was happening is from a medical standpoint, he was more than likely having retrograde ejaculation, which means it wasn't coming out 
post-orgasm through the urethra of the penis. What happened is he shut down because of that. He was grieving, like, I'm not a man anymore, and no woman, he was heterosexual, will ever want me. And so I had him, I, I found out where, like, what is meaningful to him? Where does he feel at home? Where does he feel and tap into his power and his masculine energy? And it was in the woods. He worked in the woods. And he went back to the woods, and he loved wood. <laughs> Interesting. Erection, wood. and. He was a carver and he carved a box. And in that box, he put stones or pine cones that were symbols of his grief. And he buried that under his most powerful symbol of a huge tree in the woods that he tended. And he came back after that ritual and he said, I'm a man again. I feel it. I feel my power. And not kidding you, not long after, he met a woman and he became fully engaged in a sexual and romantic and love-based relationship. It's so beautiful. And he said, it was that ritual, Doc. Some of them call me Doc. <laughs> I mean, there's so many stories that we could talk about. I can imagine. Clients. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, my Hey there, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to chime in here with a plug for my online men's course. It's called Outperform a Porn Star. It goes for six weeks and it's all about experiencing multiple orgasms, overcoming any uh, sexual dysfunctions, reframing your whole performance mindset around sex to be more pleasure-oriented, we talk about communicating with your partner, being a sexual leader, and all of this amazing stuff. So if you're interested in learning how to outperform a porn star, head to my website, www.cam-fraser.com. Uh, let's get back to this episode. I'm, um, I, I'm, I'm curious because this is because I get asked this all the time, which is. Um, the question is like, oh, how is sex coaching different from sex therapy? And I have a, like a very simple way of summing this up and maybe you can let me know how I go with this summation. But I, I often say that therapy, uh, like clinical therapy or sex therapy in particular is kind of focused on the past and what's maybe happened to you and working through that. When sex coaching is focused on where you want to go and it's focused on the future and some setting some goals and, and striving forward. And that's the simplest way I kind of break that down. Does that like, Absolutely. make sense? You got it. The only other thing I would add is that it also focuses on eliciting emotions not processing emotions. Therapists process emotional states. Coaches elicit emotions. And what I do, and it's a very artful, elegant, and takes a lot of skill to do this sometimes, is turn it around, like allow everything to come out in the session and then take that like it's a little delicate bird and redirect the client. Say, I hear you. I feel that. You know, my, I may be weeping too because I open my whole being when I do sex coaching, as we all should, to be fully present for the client and to mirror the client. And then I say, let's come back to why you're here. So what that does is it actually, from kind of a neuroscience perspective, flips us out of 
that emotional triggered state back to cognitive. And that's our role. Our role is to facilitate, direct, lead, elicit, coach in whatever way, whatever words come up, the client back to his, her, their stated goals. We're on a journey together. That journey is to get you to your goals. Now, you may not know them for a session. <laughs> a lot of times they don't. You know, I always start by saying, you know, let's begin by first I say, um, thank you for trusting me and being with me. It takes a lot of courage to look at your sexuality. And I'm so honored you've chosen me to do that with me. And I mean that, especially couples work. <laughs> and then, and of course, we assure the confidentiality. And then I say, what would you like to get out? What are your goals? What would you like to get out of today? And then ultimately, why are you here? What are your ultimate goals? Where are we headed here? You know, well, our marriage is dead and we haven't had sex in five years. Very common. I hear this. We're sexless and we're on the verge of divorce. Well, if they're really dead on arrival, I'm not sure that I have the magic wand to fix that. I'm sure you get that as well. But usually they're not really DOA. <laughs> They're, they're getting there. And thank God they came now because I can rescue them to a certain extent if they'll do the assignments. And that's the big if. So, you know, this concept of processing emotional states, we as coaches are very clear. And I say, this is where we have a thick black marker, which are the boundaries of the picture frame of what we do. We are not pretending to be therapists. We are therapeutic, sometimes more so than their therapist. <laughs> I gotta say that, but it is not therapy. And therapy, at least in the United States and Canada, is really defined in the treatment of mental health care. And coaching is so behavioral. It's so much different, has a different energy about it. And I think that's why at Sex Coach U, we attract a lot of psychotherapists. We have medical doctors. We have, I could go into all of the different kinds of professions people come in with, but it's a panoply of so many different professions, but all sharing this passion to help people around opening up and healing their sexuality and having pleasure and connection and joy. And they often are people who have overcome their own wounding or their own story, their own obstacles. So I think that this idea of we don't look at the past. We ask, I hope, <laughs> certified, trained sex coaches are doing an assessment, which I have as a sex history and relationship history and certain other as I have actually a packet of about 14 documents including what animal would you be if you could identify as an animal, as a sexual being? <laughs> what creature are you inside there? And sometimes that's where we get it. Again, that clamshell, sometimes that question is like, well, actually, there, I used to think of myself as a tiger. Ooh, let's go in there. So it's really, you know, it depends on who's showing up and what their needs are. But Therapy is really a mental health practice, and there are some therapies that are very similar to coaching and some that are very dissimilar, and the distinction is we don't process emotional states. And we, the other thing is we don't drill down into the pivotal question that therapy asks, and it's the dirtiest word in the English language, why? I don't allow 
why. And I also don't allow pathologing self-talk among my clients. I help redirect them. If they say, you know, I have erectile dysfunction, we, we start, okay, let's, yeah, let's talk I'm the about same. what it really is. Yeah, You're yeah, the same, really I is. can tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I also, um, yeah, if, if someone asks me, uh, with my male clients, like they, they always want to know like where their desires and fantasies come from. They want to like know why they're into this particular type of porn or why this thing particularly arouses them. And I say, does it you know, really matter? At, at the end of the day, does it really matter why you like that thing? You like that thing. So let's explore how you can explore that healthily, right? Let's talk about some ways and let's figure out some ways that you might be able to express that part of yourself in a healthier way if it's not been super healthy previously. So I'm like, if you want to figure out the why, go and see a therapist. I'm not here to talk to you about where that desire has particularly come from. I might do a little bit of educating around the desire itself, but for the most part, I'm not here to to dig up the childhood experiences that you had, which led to you having this particular, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, it's just not not something that, that I do with my clients, even though people ask me all the time. And the other aspect of that is that I have clients and I certainly, you know, am I'm schooled. I'll, I'll just leave it at that about how much therapy can go retreading over the same why, the same why, the same why. And you can spend hundreds, I have a client like this, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in therapies and treatment centers digging at why, 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 and you may never find out. Okay. So it's, it's really, I don't like the word why. I, I look at it from almost like a journalist, you know, the what are the five questions or something, you know, who, what, where, when, and how. No why, no why allowed. And and when we do that, because I think a lot of our work as sex coaches is detective work. <laughs> don't you agree? Yeah. You totally. know, we're helping the client find out, you know, hmm, not why, but where did that come from? Because there are threads that we can learn from the story or the history of a client that are patterns usually. And I pull those threads through to our conversations. And it may even be that, you know, you're, you're a control freak. You've told me that. I see that. Look, it began here. Maybe, I don't know, but it shows up here. It shows up here. It shows up here. So can we like make friends with your control freak and like, send him on a vacation? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that analogy. That you can play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, um, and there's, there's something else you said, which really resonated with me, which was like a lot of the students at sex coach, you have, um, like either gone through or overcome or experienced like their own journey, like personal journey with regards to sexual expression or like understanding their sexuality or whatever experiences they've had. And that, that's very true for me as well. The reason why I do this work is because I've had my own sexual journey from a younger man who was, um, you know, I was one of those guys who was self-diagnosing myself with premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction, right? And um, and so I went on my own personal journey and, and it you know looked a bunch of different ways. Um, and so that's the reason why I do this work. It's really informed by my own experiences. And so um, it doesn't surprise me, actually, that a lot of the the students at Sex Coach U are, are similar because a lot of the people that I've spoken to on this particular podcast all have similar stories to share of um, the reason why they do this work is because they've been impacted by it in a certain way. And so they want to they spread it. They want to share it. And they've learned how to overcome or resolve it because that's our job as coaches. And so once, you know... It, at Sex Coach U, we, know, we, we train people not only in sexology and coaching skills, it's a very holistic and integrative and intense program, 
we also have a full business track or program. And it's funny, today we just calculated how many hours does it usually take? It's like 250 hours just for the business part, 13 courses. And so, you know, there's something about um, also being authentic, an authentic voice. If I haven't suffered, well, I don't know if that's really the right word, but if I haven't been challenged by something regarding, let's say, body image or aging, hello, (laughs) aging and sexuality right here. Um, or being, you know, a widow, older widow and dating. So I do a lot of coaching around dating. Then how can I possibly be a voice for someone else? Which is why I, I, I do have an age restriction at sex coach. You're like, if you're 20 and you just, you know, got your bachelor's degree and you want to be a sex coach. Nope. <laughs> You've got to bring your life experience to do this work authentically and well and deeply. And you have to have life experience, not just, you know, oh, I had this bad thing happen in high school or whatever, but more life view. And because we're really a God, it's very intimate relationship. It's not a sexually intimate relationship. It's an intimate relationship. We go deep. I go really deep with my clients. I get to the core of self. You don't get any deeper than that. And sometimes back to that bullseye metaphor we were talking about. Getting to the core of the sexual self unleashes everything, doesn't it, sometimes? That's life-altering. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> I got on a tangent. Well, there's a um, – there, I, I know uh, we wanted to touch on this, but there's a sex coach-related announcement, I believe, as well, that um, you wanted to share about. So I was, I was wondering if you wanted to speak a bit more into what that might be. Yes. I just recently announced that uh, – in November of 2021, I had a milestone achievement. I reached my 75th birthday, here to say it. And this is the new 75. And because of that, it's, it's really, a, it's, it's a big number. I don't feel old chronologically. That is how long I've been on planet Earth as a physical form. And uh, I made a decision that this is my last enrollment. At Sex Coach U, it's coming up. We open up enrollment February 15th. And anybody who's interested in being trained with the Patty Britton model, this is your chance. This is it. Last time. Now, Sex Coach U will continue in some form. We're developing a legacy plan, so it continues. However, I will be only overseeing this last enrollment cohort. And so I'll be with Sex Coach U only through May of 2023, which seems like a long way off for me. I gave 18 months notice, (laughs) but I also, I care very deeply about my students. I'm very connected to, it's, it's it's a global community. We're in 80 countries now. And I, I love all my students. There's a sense of a, a loving family, a global family there. So that's my big announcement. I have other passion projects to do. I have five books to write, a documentary, all kinds of things. And uh, yeah, I got a lot to do and a lot I want to do. So so that's my big announcement. Thank you for asking. No, of course. I know I'm, you just learned of it. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm actually wondering, are you going to be taking a break from... Um, uh, working privately with clients as well? No, I'm going to be, um, actually, this is one of the reasons also is that I actually haven't had the ability to work with clients 
to a very great extent. I have a very small caseload right now. And of course, like we're doing right now, they're all on Zoom. And I really want live clients when the world resumes and we can be face-to-face in a room. And I want to spend more time working with clients. And my sweet spot is aging. You know, I'm an expert on aging and sexuality, and I would love to spend more time with my peers. And I have a program I'm designing, an online program to work with aging and sexuality. I love couples work. It's my favorite. And because it's so hard sometimes. (laughs) saving marriages or whatever's and um and also being being a voice for walking your talk i think that's another aspect of being a coach is that we as coaches i feel have more of a obligation and a sense of ownership around our own walking our talk don't you feel that that that's part of that you know i've been through this I learned how to move through my challenge and I want to share it with you. And, you know, because I've been working in sexuality for so many years, over 40 years in various roles as a leader, world leader, really, um, my story is a little bit different. It's not like, you know, I lost my virginity because I was a victim of XYZ at age 12. It's not like that. Although I do have my own story, which will be in my memoir. (laughs) There you go. So there's, you know, there's a lot more work to be done in this world. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious about your, your, um, the demographic of clients that you work with because, like, similarly, I'm, I'm, um, 28, and so I don't work with clients that are very older than me because, firstly, I don't have that life experience. I don't know what it feels like to be a 60, 70 plus year old person and, and having sex because I'm just not chronologically that old. So um, so I tend to work with a demographic of men that are similar in age to me because we have similar life experiences. Um, and so, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm curious about the, the demographic of people that you work with and particularly the maybe the older men that you work with and some of the experiences that they might be having and some of the reasons they might be coming to see you because um, yeah, it's just something that I'm interested in and people that are listening might be a little bit older than me as well. So they might be interested to hear what are some of the issues that they're coming to see you with. Well, the body changes as we age and function changes as we age and desire slash libido slash drive declines. Our hormones change horribly. (laughs) I hate to say that's the truth, everybody. So, you know, because of the hormonal decline, because of muscle changes in the body, um, because of aging often has physical limitations that come along with that. Like um, my clients suffer from um, enlarged benign and large prostate. So they might be on a medication, that medication has side effects, or they may be in a long-term relationship and um, sex has gone out the window and they want to reboot that spark. Or maybe they just have um, no or very weak, soft erections and they want to engage in penile penetration with a partner. And I work with clients Most of my clients are heterosexual. Most of them um, are cisgendered, non-trans, but I did have training years ago in transitioning the trans-identified individual, and I enjoy that. However, I have a very small caseload, and 100% of my clients 
are and must be referred by their therapist. So they've been in therapy. The therapy has never worked regarding sex or their sexual relationship. And the therapist is like, ah, send them to Patty. <laughs> she can help you. And usually I can. Um, and so it's really what we look at as the ravages and the common elements of aging, which are erectile dysfunction. Rabbit ejaculation goes away as men age because it's really a young man's issue. And it's this coming too fast thing is really coming too fast, faster than you would like to come and not being in charge of when and whether to come, meaning experience orgasm prior to that beautiful distinction between orgasm and ejaculation, the release of the seminal fluids. So 98% of the men I've ever worked with have no idea they're biphasic, that it is orgasm, pause, ejaculation. I'm sure you work with this all the time. And a lot of older guys are using the ED drugs. So a lot of them are on Viagra. I've never had anybody on Levitra, but Cialis or Cialis daily. And then a lot of the work that I do with older men is things like, well, let's talk about a penis pump or let's talk about cock rings or penile rings. Uh, let's talk about alternatives to sexual intercourse or if they want to say the word fucking. You know, I use the language that my clients use. I never impose my language on them and I mirror them. Again, that mirroring. And so for women, it's often body image changes. Um, as a 75-year-old woman, if I weren't wearing this beautiful sweater, you might see my crepe wings hanging down. And I believe in fitness, internal fitness, external fitness. And I coach my clients holistically around that, eating well, not smoking, uh, moderate alcohol intake, moderate caffeine intake, exercise, exercise, exercise. One of the absolute keys to healthy aging and your mindset. So I do a lot of work around mindset and around um, self-shaming, you know, turning those messages into self-empowering, self-talk or thoughts, a lot of behavioral techniques, getting people into a positive state energetically rather than a negative state, all kinds of things. I might send them to buy essential oils. I might have them get a diffuser. I might tell them music that might elevate them or what it goes on and on and on. <laughs> Um, and so working with aging and sexuality is something that I enjoy because I want to share that with my peers. And there isn't a lot of information around being older and staying juicy sexually and alive. <laughs> it's really like, oh, you're doomed or, oh, yeah, yeah, things are going to hang down. You're going to slow down. And you're not going to like what you see in the mirror and you're not going to be able to do what you used to do. And the, and the truth is that's probably true. However, how do you, how do you change your self-regard? How do you turn that around? So you go, you're hot. <laughs> Look at that. And, uh, you know, or finding ways to uh, be more sensual and, or to facilitate having pleasure through the, the ride, not the destination. And I'm a big, I, I'm not a fan of the, the idea that, you know, let's not talk about orgasm. Oh, or no, it's pleasure. It's, it's the experience. Oh, fuck off. I want to say <laughs> because orgasm has a lot of health benefits and it is physiologically, there are changes in the body that occur 
through orgasm. So I would rather teach people orgasm enhancement techniques. And I'm a big proponent of pleasure products or sex toys and appropriate healthy lubes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a huge amount of information that needs to be shared with the world for those who are 55 and older. And that's really, that that's probably going to be where my, my passion moves after sex coach you is no longer my my baby my child i'm taking care of <laughs> yeah that's Does so that so yeah it's so important and so so necessary and you're 100 right there's like hardly any i've looked and there's hardly any resources out there on on aging and and like sexual and it's like pleasure positive sexuality and sex education for like for for people of the old generation and i i always think of um people like um Betty Dodson, for example, who um, obviously the late Betty Dodson, who who were just championing like pleasure and orgasms and juiciness into into old age. Like that was that, that was um, That's right. yeah, well, really beautiful. I but- lived in Betty's building and Betty was one of my very best friends. And actually, she and I um, had for a very short time, we had a program together called Shaft. Funny name for a program, right? <laughs> and it was called Sexual Health and Fitness Training. And we had an ad running in a holistic magazine in New York City. And um, I participated as a co-facilitator for many of her workshops. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was a, it, it, I mean, she was in her 90s. She had a great life. And, you know, that's part of the also that's part of the work I, I'm really called to do is talk more about death and dying from a positive perspective, because that's where the, that's the other frontier of taboo. Uh, I think we've cracked through the frontier of sex, talking about sex and sexuality. We don't talk about death and dying. That's like, oh, don't say that. And uh, I want to be a voice for uh, positive speak about the inevitability that that's where we're all headed, people. <laughs> and let's embrace that. There's there's so many um, like messages about sexuality and I suppose like, you know, um, mortality and things like that, that I try and challenge like today but i'm i'm you know mindful of the fact that there's about 50 years difference between uh, you and i and so i'm wondering have you noticed any changes over your like career in terms of like the messages or like the societal um narratives and stories that we have about uh, maybe about masculinity and sexuality or about men and, and sex and and the way that's kind of changed over the years have you noticed any trends or anything like that Lots. Um, <laughs> we don't have enough time to get into all of them, <laughs> but I'll give you a thumbnail sketch. Sure. So my thumbnail sketch is that we have made um, major, I would say major strides in the healthful pleasure products industry. So that, that's enhancement. So there's permission to talk about that. There's permission for enhancement. We also have for the first time in the history of, of 40-something-year-old, maybe 50, I forget, year old organization, the World Association for Sexual Health, WAS, it took until 2019 at the World Congress in Mexico City to have the first declaration in support of sexual pleasure as a human sexual right that promotes sexual health. I'm about sexual wellness promotion. I just retired from the advisory committee of the World Association for Sexual Health. So I'm intrinsically involved in that uh, as a proponent. The other trend I see is in the alphabet soup. 
so pronouns is, um, is, is a very difficult part of the world that we live in today because we have to, as sexologists, we have to be really sensitized to and knowledgeable about identity, sexual identity. And it is come, come, I have a fly in my room. We don't have them here. Um, we, we have to be sensitive to the client will always set you straight. The client will tell you where they're at. The client tells you the truth of who I know myself to be. So whether somebody is GLBTQIAS++ or however they identify, this is a shift in sexology and in sex coaching. We also are in a much more positive world around um, the, the monogamous, pair-bonded, committed relationship structure. So we live in a universe now where we have ethical non-monogamy, consensual non-monogamy. Everything should be with consent between adults, by the way. I don't work with children, and I don't believe sex coaching should be for children. I think sex ed should be for children, appropriate, comprehensive, but not sex coaching. And I also see that, you know, the, the movement toward poly is really a new, a new turn. It's been around since humans, but the permission, this is the thing that's happened is that we have more permission to express ourselves. We have more freedom to express ourselves. We look what we're doing. You're in Australia. I'm in Los Angeles. We're having this conversation like we're in the same room today and we're talking to all of you who are watching and or listening all around the world. So all of this is a huge shift, the technological change. People can have relationships in, somebody can be in Beijing and that person's partner can be in Los Angeles and have a vibrator that's creating um, an orgasmic response across a computer between those two nations. That's new. And the other thing that I observe is that we're, I think that we're in a rut around over technology and over techno. I don't know what the word is, but we've become too dependent on virtual mechanisms for relating, for relationship, for communication. We've truncated our ability to communicate. Like this is so luxurious to be able to talk to you for an hour, an hour. Most communication is relegated to 140 characters, right? Tweet, tweet, tweet. Or, you know, an Instagram or a TikTok this. And these are not your friends. These people that you have relationships with online people. So we've lost touch-based, authentic, human-to-human relating in this era that we're living in right now. And then when you add COVID onto everything else and the isolation that we are all experiencing, even if you're in a relationship and you're touching all the time, which I hope you are, everybody, you're still living with this contraction, this fear that, it, that pervades our cells in the world we're living in today. There's a monster. There's a terror. It's terrorism. This biological terrorism has hijacked us and our ability to relax, our ability to touch, our ability to connect with other humans in real time and real space. It's gone right now. Even if you are going out, I will not 
live in fear. I will not live in isolation. I never had my food delivered during the pandemic. I said, no way. I am going to the grocery store. Now, right now we have a problem with supply chain. There are bare shelves in America. I want you to know. Yes. Yeah, I would go here. where you are also. It's horrible. So we're living in this denial and this limitation. It's like pleasure. Pleasure needs expansion. We're here to connect. We're here to experience expansion with one another. That's what sex is. That's what an orgasm is. It's breaking through the barriers of these bodies and energetically expanding into the cosmos with another person and or alone. That's what it's all about. But we, we're in this contracted state right now. So those are huge changes. I'm sure there are more that I haven't thought about. Ah, and one more. The demonization of men. I'm furious. I don't, I don't believe that all men are monsters. I don't believe that cis-identified males should be demonized because they're males. I, I don't believe this is a, a positive thought to have. The Me Too movement and the Me Too generation is important. We needed to bust this kind of horrible abuse and exploitation and violation. I've, I'm totally with that. I'm not with the demonization of men because of that. And I, I'm not with um, part of what's going on because of it is punishing someone for accusation without proof that they actually have committed crimes. And I think it's a very delicate tissue that surrounds men um, globally right now. I, I have male clients who are afraid to date. I have male clients who don't know how to approach a partner, particularly women, because um, this is much more a heterosexual issue. But, it, but it, again, it's like an infection that has invaded us all. So we're scared and we're like, hmm. And we need to open up and we need to learn to love each other. And we need to learn to build bridges, not walls. And we need to learn to trust one another again. Mm, yeah, I that appreciate was quite you. a speech. Yeah, I appreciate you speaking into all of those things because um, they're all so important. And, and you know, the, the way that I kind of frame that idea of um, the demonization of men, the, w the way that I talk about it is like there's been a lot of in the mainstream kind of uh, narrative, a lot of conversations about like what what we shouldn't do and i say we collectively here as men like what men shouldn't be doing how we shouldn't interact how we shouldn't express our sexuality which is i get like i get where it's coming from it's necessary to have those conversations the way that i try and approach my work is well what can we do here's some ways that we can express our sexuality here's some ways that you are able to healthily direct your sexual energy into whatever it is that you're doing like just giving some um giving some practical alternative ways of, of like exploring and expressing your sexuality, which for like that role for the longest time, at least in my own experience, I've noticed has been um, like that role has been represented by like your kind of pickup artisty kind of gross misogynistic kind of guys. And so, and, and like the reason why I say this is because I, I went down that path when I was a younger man, I was looking for older men who were talking about sex and sexuality. The only people, the only men that I could find doing that were these like really gross kind of um, dating yeah, the gurus. PUA. Yeah, the right. PUAs, right. And so, Ew. and that really didn't resonate with me at all. Um, and I know it doesn't resonate with a lot of other men, but, they, but they're the only men. They're the only men that are openly talking about sexuality. And so I wanted to really, and this is what I still try and do, is really counteract those type of narratives that these particular men 
put out into society, which you know, which men are looking, men are interested in, in learning about sexuality. But unfortunately, if these are the only men that they're learning from, it's just going to perpetuate these same issues that we're having. So my my whole kind of approach and philosophy is like, okay, well, here's an alternative to that story. Here's an alternative to those narratives that these PUAs are, are talking about, or these um, kind of red pill misogyny kind of guys are talking about. Like, here's a really uh, holistic, embodied what I believe is a healthy, beneficial way to express your sexuality. And that's kind of the the championing that I try and do is for that particular story of what you can do as opposed to what you shouldn't be doing. Does that make sense? I love it. I love it. Yeah. Thanks. And what thanks. I what I observe um, with my clients and in society in general is that people have an easier time doing it than talking about it. And that's where the courage needs to come in is to speak about it, speak about your wants, your needs, your truth, and request, invite, and be mindful, be respectful, and consent is everything. Consent should drive anything that's going on. And I know that there's a yes but regarding the Me Too movement, you know, oh, well, she gave consent. No, I didn't. I didn't really mean it. But and you know it's it's complicated it's it's a very complicated journey to be on for men in general and specifically men need new and strong role models like you to guide them because they need the guidance and they need permission and they need women like me to be saying you know we're against the demonization of men and we want we want to show you how to be lovers in every way how to be loved and loving Mm, yeah, I really, I, I really appreciate that. And there's, there's like a, um, what do I usually say here? Oh, it's just slipped my mind. Something that I always say is, um, it's just not there for me right now. Um, I hate uh, when that yeah, I know, Wait a minute, you It's like, it's like my, my catchphrase as well. And I, it was just on the tip of my tongue. I don't know why I've, I've just forgotten about it. Um, All right, it'll come back. But it, yeah, I'm sure. And if it doesn't, I'll, I'll email it to you. Um, but I, I'm just, I am mindful of time. I think that's my, my, my mind was on, okay, I've just got yeah, to make sure we wrap things up. Time, yeah, looking right, at the clock, yeah. Right. Um, but <laughs> if there's, if there is, if I can close things down with like a, uh, and this is just to really put you on the spot here is a, um, a nugget of wisdom or a nugget of, uh, you know, gold or knowledge that you, um, you know, if you could plaster it on a billboard so that people driving past on the freeway could see it every single day, what's, uh, what would be your like nugget of wisdom to share? I used to have a byline that I used and I used it in many, many, many of the couples sexual enhancement videos that I hosted and made. And in newsletters and on my old websites, I don't use it anymore. And it's celebrate your sexual self. We have to celebrate that we're sexual beings, conception to death. And we didn't have any discussions about asexuality, very uh, a misunderstood topic. Um, but really, most of us are are sexual beings who want to find authentic ways to express who we really are. And I think the journey is a journey towards sexual self-realization, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It was, you know, building on the, the basics and then up to self-actualization. I think we're all on a journey to sexual self-realization. And have fun along the way. <laughs> Sex should be about play. It's not about work. And and maybe you can't do this alone. 
um, I'm not here to drum up business because I have plenty of business. <laughs> and I'm saying that sex coaches are really specially and well-trained. And you're a member, I, I, you're, you're an approved sex coach at the World Association of Sex am, Coaches yeah, because you yeah. are so highly and well-trained. And, you know, as a consumer, any of you who are watching or listening and you really want help, you want someone by your side to guide you on this journey, um, make sure you find someone who is certified, who has the credentials, who is, you know, it's easy to hang a shingle and say, you know, I'm an expert on sex, you know, and you want somebody who really can take you deeply into the core of the sexual self and help you to become whole and to have, have joy. Yeah, that's really that's lovely. I love message. that message. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Patty. And thank you so much for just spending an hour, like you said, just the, the, with the luxury great. to be able to do this. Yeah, it's been so, yeah. so incredible. I said to you before the uh, the recording that I, I was having a bit of a fanboy moment because I'm a big fan of your work. So I'll let the listeners know <laughs> that you. I was also having a fanboy moment. But yeah, thank you so much for, for chatting with me. <laughs> It's my pleasure, really. This has been just a wonder. I can't believe an hour just went by. I we know, have so much more to say. I know there was like, so what? much. I know, there were so many more things I wanted to talk about, but um, we'll have to we'll have All to right. do it at a later I'll be date. Back. We'll, yeah, I'll come back. Sure. But All thank right. you so much, and thanks everybody for watching and listening. And you know, really let's go celebrate. Mm. Yeah, bye. I'll talk to you soon. See you. Okay, bye, babe. Bye. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. If you find value from this content, then I encourage you to consider becoming a patron on my Patreon account. You can find the link for that in the description below. You have access to a whole bunch of perks, including behind the scenes podcast footage, as well as pre-release YouTube videos and patron-only writing, as well as the opportunity to have your name either shown in a YouTube video or read out in a thank you during the podcast. So like I said, if you enjoy this content and you'd like to support it and support me, then head to the link in the show notes below and consider becoming a patron. Thank you.